Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we go behind the headlines. Many of this week's headlines have been all about the troubles facing Missouri Governor Eric Greitens. Details of his extramarital affair are making headlines far beyond Missouri's borders. Briefly, he faces felony invasion of privacy charges for allegedly taking a non-consensual photo of his nude lover. With me in studio to bring us up to speed is St. Louis Public Radio political reporter Jason Rosenbaum. Jason, welcome. Thanks for having me. What a week. That, that's putting <laughs> it mildly. It's It's been a really sad week in Missouri politics. I mean, I, I was recounting like all of the things I've had to cover in the last four years. Ferguson, John Deal stepping down, Tom mm-hmm. Schweik killing yeah. himself, and now this. And as an observer, it makes you exhausted. Imagine being a legislator who's had to deal with all of these crises over that span of time. It, I, I know I talked with some of them who you could sense the exhaustion and just how it's taken a toll on, on people having to deal with this. But they seem to be taking their time uh, and, and making final decisions. For instance, the report that came out this week, and we'll talk more about that. Yes. Uh, there was no recommendation. They no. put off until the middle of May, you know, possibly coming back and, and deciding to do whatever they're going to do. Yes. And I think that the reasoning behind that from House Speaker Todd Richardson is he wants to finish the legislative business first before the legislature is engulfed by this impeachment process, which which it has it technically has a precedent because Secretary of State Judy Moriarty was impeached in the 1990s, but it takes on a whole different level when it's the governor. So it's probably going to require <clears throat> if the committee that you that's been mentioned recommends impeachment. It's probably going to take a while to figure out how that's going to work, um, what what debate's going to be like, how the Senate is going to choose the the judges that end up deciding whether mm-hmm. Greitens leave office. I think that's his mindset that there are things that the legislature needs to do first before going into that process. Democrats obviously disagree. They feel like the process should start now and. Senate Democrats are are threatening to hold up a lot of bills because they don't want legislation sent to Greitens while he's under this cloud. In the meantime, the the tempo, the drumbeat uh, for his resignation or impeachment is just increasing and has so in the last couple of days rather dramatically. Very dramatically. As as I've explained many times, um, there was a, a group of mainly Republican lawmakers who had called Greitens to step down, either because they didn't like his conduct or felt like uh, he he was going to hurt their party. There were some Democrats, too, who felt he should step down, but Mm -hmm. many within the Democratic Party were taking a wait-and-see approach for various reasons. That ended as soon as the committee released its report. You had Democrats and Republicans of of, of all levels, from like U.S. senators and attorney generals to Republican legislative leaders saying that Greitens needed to resign. And, 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 and impeachment seems kind of inevitable unless he changes course about whether to stay in office. Yeah. A couple of notables, the attorney general, Josh Hawley, yes. fellow Republican, is uh, among that group. And Wagner, second district congresswoman, uh, is very upset clearly by what she's been reading uh, in that report. Claire McCaskill, not surprisingly there. Uh, it also includes now David Humphreys, who donated an awful lot of money to uh, the governor's campaign. And I read this morning that Governor Rounder in Illinois uh, has joined the parade saying he should step down. Yeah. And 
It should be noted that neither McCaskill nor Holly had called on Greitens to resign before this report. Yeah. And I asked McCaskill about that directly, and she said she wanted to wait for the, the legal process to, to go forward. And um, I think that, that, again, that kind of ended after the report came out, and, and Holly followed suit like uh, several minutes afterwards. Um, you know, you don't really see this level of unanimity when you're talking about kind of a, a swirling crisis like this, even during the aforementioned John Deal sexual harassment crisis, mm-hmm. you had Republicans who defended Deal and wanted him to stay. Um, you're not really seeing a lot of people on either side saying he should stay. I think that are certainly approving of the things that are in the report. Mm-hmm. There, there are some legislators who have stopped short on calling for him to resign, including Richardson and, and Senate President Pro Tem Ron Richard. I think that that's more in line with wanting to make sure the process goes forward before taking that, that leap, so to speak. If only there was such a bipartisan relationship when it came to leg- legislation. If, if only, yeah. but, you know, <clears throat> here we are. So, yeah. so. Well, let's talk about that report. That was an incredible document just in terms of how specific it was. Yes. Uh, and that's what upset a lot of people. And I mentioned Ann Wagner. She clearly was very, very upset about that. But uh, she was considered – that is, the, the, the woman in this case uh, was considered a credible witness. Yes. Also pointed out – and uh, this was a surprise to many – that it, she said it was not a consensual affair. I think that – People may have expected the report to just detail a consensual relationship, mm-hmm. um, but then it detailed allegations that Greitens was sexually and physically abusive toward this woman, which I should note the governor has denied pretty strongly. Um, but, I mean, I was in Jefferson City, and I looked at some of these legislators who had just read this report. Their reaction was wow. beyond just the typical partisan reactions to things. A lot of them were were crying some were like visibly, visibly angry, um, and you could tell like it was, it was like an, an atomic bomb had exploded around mm-hmm. them. I know this is kind of seems like hyper hyperbole, but again, ha- as a person who's dealt with some of these major political stories before, and and Joe Manis has probably dealt with with with, with them sure. as well. Um, it, it took on a level of emotion. That you just don't see, and I think that was definitely connected to the allegations in in, in the report. Another surprising element in that report, I think many people would find it surprising, is that she said that the affair continued to October, from March to October. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that that was common knowledge, but again, the the details. When I say common knowledge, like that was what. The, the length of the the relationship or affair, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, took place over many months was, was kind of a detail that was explained before. But the, the details about the specific encounter in the basement and also allegations of physical abuse, like slapping and hitting mm-hmm. in particular, um, that, that I think is what has, has caused people in the legislature – to go beyond a wait-and-see attitude and to be more definitive about the fact that 
he needs to resign. But doesn't that doesn't that weaken her argument that uh, it was not consensual if it carried on for several months? I, Don, I really yeah. can't answer that question. Yeah. I I don't feel like I'm 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 the person to answer that. One of the things that uh, the entire newsroom here was watching the uh, television monitors at uh, 4 o'clock the other day when he made his statement, mm-hmm. kind of a preemptive statement. What did you make of that and the timing of that? Well, I was there yeah. with like 70 or 80 other reporters, and it was surreal. Um, it was defiant. It was not what I was expecting. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting him to announce he was going to preemptively resign during the report because um, having followed around the governor for a few months, it's a few months, over almost two years at this point, um, it just didn't seem like that was going to happen. But what I was not expecting, especially considering there was a gag order put on for a lot of the the people in his criminal case that he would proclaim his innocence so loudly and then attack the people that created the report, the same people that are going to have the decision-making over whether he gets impeached or not. I think that might have been aimed at rallying public support, but the fact of the matter is that impeachment is not a referendum. Mm -hmm. It's done by the legislature. And if you're attacking the people that are going to hold your fate in their hands, well, they're not going to be very sympathetic to you if impeachment comes. The fact that he has clearly lost the support of House Speaker Todd Richardson and Republican leaders, I think is is fatal to his ability to do anything legislatively. Richardson was probably one of the only viable legislative partners the governor had because he had a fairly acrimonious relationship with the Missouri Senate. So I I don't see a path forward for him to do anything as governor. Whether he gets, you know, removed from office is not really something that I can speculate on because that's going to be determined by the judges that the Senate will pick if the House impeaches him. If, just take one moment and explain that process. I'm not sure everyone knows that the role, the judges, the prominent role, the judges will play in any kind of a process like that. Um, it's kind of an <clears throat> opaque process because in Congress, it's the House impeaches and then there's a trial in the Senate and the senators decide whether to throw that person out of office. But it's not like that in Missouri. In Missouri, it's the House impeaches by a majority vote, and then the Senate picks seven, quote, imminent jurists, which, is, which, are, which sounds kind of lofty, but in, real, in, in reality, it's like circuit and appeals court judges. And then those judges decide whether, in this case, the governor violated specific aspects of, of, of things that are laid out in the Missouri Constitution, and then it could include moral turpitude are are other offenses in office. I don't know if it's other offenses or just offenses. I'm kind of going by memory. But I think the moral turpitude is part is probably what they would justify impeachment on at this point. I wonder how long a process that might be. I guess it's anybody's guess. It's anybody's guess because it's, it's an extremely serious process. Um, overt- effectively overturning the election of a governor in Missouri is unprecedented. I know that there was some – in the Civil War area, there were like dueling mm-hmm. governors between the Confederacy and, and the non-Confederacy. But 
there, I don't think that there's ever been a situation like this where legislators are being asked to possibly remove a governor who is not resigning on his own. And it creates months of – I think it creates months of uncertainty. I don't know how many months, but uh, if, if Greitens sticks to his guns and decides to stay in office, then we're, we're destined as Missourians to have several more months of this, if not more. You mentioned the gag order a, yeah. a couple of moments ago. And uh, clearly, uh, the governor is not uh, affected by the gag order that Judge Burleson uh, offered. That That's an interesting question because when I read the gag <laughs> order, and I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it said all parties, uh, w- endorsed witnesses and attorneys of, of everybody involved were restricted from speaking on the case. And I I had thought parties would include plaintiffs the and the defendants. Sure. But clearly, if you listen to his statement, even though he was responding to the House committee report, he he was talking about how he felt he was going to be exonerated from his legal case. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what Judge Burleson decides to do. Interestingly, uh, the state has called two TV reporters as witnesses, um, Lauren Traeger and Vic Faust. I'm wondering how the gag order affects their ability to report on anything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't watching KMOV or, or Channel 2, but I, I would assume that they probably reported on aspects of the House committee report. And I'm, I, as a journalist, I have grave misgivings about uh, you know journalists being called to the stand and then being restricted from speaking publicly about things. But whether or not that can legally be done. I, I have no idea. I'm not an attorney. Um, but that gag order is certainly going to be examined pretty closely. It seems very clear that the committee members uh, made that report available to the governor before they released it an hour later. I mean, he was reacting to, to something. I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question because Greitens didn't take any questions from reporters. Um, you know, one of my old colleagues has said that you can't really call it a press conference if the, the person doing the press conference doesn't answer questions. And I, I certainly understand in this aspect, while Greitens is under the legal cloud, that he's probably restricted from speaking too freely about this. But we're now in a situation as reporters where, you know, we go to something where the governor speaks and we – we kind of assume like we're not going to be able to ask follow-up or, 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 or any sort of questions. That's been kind of a, a reoccurring problem throughout his administration that before the scandal broke, I think was getting better. Now it's at a point where there's just no real interplay between reporters and the governor anymore, which is I – I, I would say it's pretty unprecedented. It's not it's – and I don't think that's a good thing. I just don't. Well, we're getting a dose of that on the national level, too. As a matter of fact, the governor sounded an awful lot like the president with yeah, but, his but, witch, con- witch hunt uh, comments and have you. But here's the thing. Trump answers questions from reporters all the time. And yes, you're right. The witch hunt and mm. the verbiage was certainly yeah. Trumpian. But, I mean, defending the president for a second, even though I don't think he's had a lot of formal press conferences, you've seen him in front of reporters answering yeah. questions all the time, even when he's under certain scandal clouds like the Stormy Daniels incident. Obviously, that's less serious than the allegations that Greitens is facing. But 
that's one instance. I don't think Trump and Greitens are comparable at this point. And maybe that seems like reporter griping. And, and I, I again, I acknowledge that he is under some restrictions due to his trial. But we just have to acknowledge that that's a reality of, of covering this governor at this point. Meantime, and obviously, the lawyers are very much at work. Uh, Kim Gardner is under attack by yes. the Greitens defense lawyers because of this video, yes. apparently, of, uh, of the, the woman involved in this case. And that's the interesting thing. Like, the fact that his attorneys didn't get the videotaped deposition of the woman involved until, I think, shortly after this House committee report was released – I think it raises really strong questions about whether this case is going to continue or not. But from talking with legislators, they've made pretty clear that the outcome of this legal case has no bearing on whether he gets impeached or not because there are other aspects of the report Mm -hmm. that they find so disturbing um, that they feel like he has no moral authority to lead the state anymore because – it should be emphasized the process for impeachment is is different from a legal process. And mm-hmm. the legal case in, in front of a St. Louis jury is whether he took a photo of this woman without her consent and put it in a, a position to be electronically transmitted. That's the case. The other allegations laid out in the report is mm-hmm. not what's at trial here. But I, I will just say, again, it's very possible – that the governor's legal fortunes actually improved while his political fortunes declined dramatically this week, which is something I don't think a lot of people were, were likely expecting. We, we've got about a minute left, and uh, Judge Burleson now has another decision to make as to whether to dismiss the charges overall because Whiten's lawyers say the uh, Kim Gardner, the circuit attorney, withheld this uh, information from them. Yes, and I think he's taking that under uh, – consideration now. Rachel Lipman of St. Louis Public Radio was at that hearing while I was in Jefferson City. It's a really, I mean, I, from what I what, from what I read and from uh, the tone I heard, Burleson was pretty upset about this. And having seen Burleson preside, you don't see him get upset that often. So I, it, it senses to me that this development legally is pretty serious. We've got to end it right there. Jason Rosenbaum, thank you so much for being with us. Keep up the good work. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.